Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Christmas is only two weeks away. Just hearing that, did that just give you kind of like this anxiety? Probably so, if you're like me. She said, oh, I hope you've got all these things planned and all your presents chopped for and all that, and everybody's going, are you kidding me? Really? No way. Haven't even started. But that's Christmas for me. Hey, by the way, let me just say this. If you're watching online, welcome. But we are also um, doing a soft launch, <clears throat> excuse me, which is kind of a, a dry run rehearsal, if you will, uh, in Pendleton today for the first time. So they give it up for those guys over there in Pendleton. That new campus will be kicking off January 8th, but they're in, over the next couple of weeks, they'll be kind of working all the kinks out. So we're so glad that they're joining us. It's going to be amazing. A lot of great things are happening. But today we're going to talk about overcoming stress because Christmas is, this season is, as the, as the Christmas carol says, the most wonderful time of the year. But it also has the potential, if we allow it to, to be the most stressful time of the year. Can I get an amen? Right? We know that. I remember when, um, when our kids were young, we had this kind of family tradition, what we would do, load everybody up in the car, we would go shopping for a Christmas tree, and that's quite an experience. It was, uh, we'd all, you know, we were happy and excited when we left the house. Uh, we're singing Christmas carols on the way there. We get to the Christmas tree lot. We're all looking around trying to find the perfect tree, which we never could do. And so we would go through there, and uh, we'd all start getting frustrated because we couldn't find the right tree. We'd go to the next Christmas tree lot, couldn't find anything. And then I would just grab one and go, how about this one? And, and uh, no, it's too short, or it's crooked, or it's this or that. Nobody wanted to do it. Now, it's probably the reason was we procrastinated till December 21st, and there weren't a lot of trees to select from. But I would eventually just grab one and go, we're just buying this tree. And we'd throw it in the car, and we'd leave, and everybody's crying. And it was started out to be this beautiful family bonding time is now World War III. It's just, it's a, it's just it's an awful experience. Everybody is totally stressed out. But I'm a guy, so I fixed the problem. We got a fake tree, all right? Which actually started World War IV because my kids did not like that idea, but I'm like, tough, this is what we're doing from now on. I'm not going through this. Don't even get me started about Christmas shopping. That's a whole nother deal. And you know what's crazy? These days, you can literally find anything at a store. You can buy anything you want. I don't know if you heard about it or not, but there's a brand new store in Greenville, and I thought I would just tell you a little bit about it. It's called the Husband Superstore. You heard about this? Yeah, the Husband Superstore. You can actually, here's the deal. Uh, women can go there and choose a husband out of many men that are there. <laughs> the store is kind of unique. It's laid out on five floors with the men increasing in positive attributes as you get higher. And there's only one rule when you go there, and that is once you open the door to any floor, you had to choose a man from that floor, and if you went up another floor, you couldn't come back down except to leave the place and never return. So these two girlfriends went recently to go shopping to that uh, shopping center to find some husbands. They go to the first floor, and there's a door, and on it there's a sign that says, these men have, have jobs and love kids. So the women read the sign and go, you know, that's better than not having a job or not loving kids, but I wonder what's further up. So they went to the second floor, and there's a sign on that door that said, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, and are extremely good-looking. Hmm, said the ladies, but I wonder what's further up. 
They go to the third floor, and there's a sign that says, these men of high-paying jobs are extremely good-looking, love kids, and help with the housework. Wow, said the women. That's very tempting, but let's go further up. They go to the fourth floor. There's a door in that sign, uh, uh, with a sign that says, these men have high-paying jobs, love kids, are extremely good-looking, help with housework, and have a strong romantic streak. Oh, mercy me, they think, but what must be waiting further up? So they go to the fifth floor, and they see a sign on that door that says, this floor is empty and exists only to prove that women are impossible to please. Goodbye. <laughs> that's, not so. that's an oldie goldie. Just blowing it off, the dust off that one. Thought I'd bring that up in a few more years. You might hear that again. But anyways, the Christmas shopping is extremely stressful, especially if you're not a shopper. And especially for men. Now, that's not being uh, like chauvinistic or stereotypical. I'm just stating facts, okay? This, there was a British psychologist that actually wanted to find out stress levels of men and women when they went Christmas shopping. And so he sent out groups of them. It's interesting, the women, only 25% of the women registered any stress at all Christmas shopping. And yet nearly every man had elevated heart rates, and their, 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 uh, like their blood pressure was higher, and their stress levels, isn't it? Their stress levels were equivalent to a jet fighter pilot or a riot policeman in the middle of an emergency. That's true. That's why I don't like shopping. But I'm a dude, so I fixed that. I don't go shopping. I let my wife do it because she doesn't mind it. I hate it. But Christmas is stressful. But you know what? I cannot help but contrast how our Christmas is with all the busyness, all the chaos, all the confusion, all the stress that we feel today with that first Christmas there in Bethlehem. In a lot of ways, there were some similarities. If you think about it, it was hustling and bustling because Bethlehem, which was usually a sleepy little town, is now crowded because of a census being taken and people are running all over the place. And in the midst of all of that stress and chaos, you find a scene in a, in a, um, in a, in a, in a little, in a manger there. There's this baby, he's being born and he's the savior of the world. And there's this incredible peace and joy in the midst of all of that. And today I wanna to talk to you about overcoming stress. And we're gonna look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter two. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn there. And Luke chapter two, this is a fam very familiar passage for a lot of people. But I want to read it, and then we're going to come back, and, and we're going to talk about how we can put some practical steps to being less stressed out this Christmas. So here's what the story, Luke 2, beginning in verse 1. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was the descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth and Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. 
Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is, is pleased. When the angel, angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said uh, to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. A familiar story, but I think sometimes we, 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 we kind of take this out of context in a way because we... We don't realize that there was a potential for a lot of stress then, and yet there is calm in the midst of that. And today, what I want to do is, again, I want to make this as practical as I possibly can because I know there's two weeks left before Christmas, and that's going to mean between now and then a lot of stress potential for, for all of us. There are parties to go to. There are things to do. There are decorations to, to, to put up, and there are presents to buy, and all of those things can get us anxious. But that's not what, how God wants to, to respond to this time of year because it's bigger than that. And today I want to give you just two simple things that we can do. And at the end, I'm going to show you a little video that I think brings it all home. And so here's the first point if you're going to overcome stress this Christmas. And this first thing is this, remain flexible. Remain flexible. This is actually a very good tool to put in your life all the time, not just around Christmas, because there's so much, there's so much chaos in the world in general. And learning to be flexible and not so rigid about everything helps a lot. And one of the things to do is, if you're doing with Christmas, and I think a lot of us do, is that we overplan. Like, it's great to have a plan, but sometimes we overplan. We put too much, we cram too much in our schedules, and then we, we, we basically bring that stress on our own selves. It's, it's self-inflicted. And so what we need to do is just make a plan. That's good. The Bible teaches that it's good to plan. And if you haven't noticed that sometimes, you know, God has a way of his plans coming through, prevailing in spite of ours. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 19:21. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. So it's good to have a plan. I think everybody should plan. But it needs to be flexible. It should be in pencil, not in pen, not in, certainly not in permanent marker, not etched in stone. And our plan ought to have this little kind of this disclaimer that this is my plan. This is as far as I, as I can tell, this is what I'm planning to do. But God, you have, you have the right and, and, and ability or and, and any time and any, for any reason, you can, you can interrupt those plans and, and, I'll, and I'll yield to that. And that's a good attitude to have because plans change. Mike Tyson says everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's true, right? Woody Allen once said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. In the book of James, that's basically what it says. James tells us, he says, you know, what we tend to do is we say things like this. I'm going to go to this town or that town, and I'm going to do some business there and make a profit. And then he says, that's the wrong way to look at life. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wills, we'll do this and that. And I think that's that disclaimer I'm talking about. This is what I'm planning to do. This is what I feel like God's wanting me to do. But I've got a little just kind of this idea that God at any time can step in and change plans if he'd like to do that. And in the Bible, when we look at the Christmas story, there are a lot of people that had some plans. But their plans were flexible, fortunately for us, because we're now looking at the story and we can see that. 
Let's start with the shepherds. Let's look at their plan, right? Here's what it says. It tells us in Luke 2, let's go back to the story. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep. That was their plan. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. So the, so the shepherds are the first people we want to look at who had a plan. Their plan was to do what they did every single night of their lives. They were shepherds. They had sheep. What you had to do at night if you were a shepherd is guard your flocks of sheep because there were wolves and there were thieves and there were other things that could be a problem. And so you would spend your evenings doing just that. But this night was different. God interrupted their plans. And because they were flexible, they thought, you know what? We've got these sheep. They need to be guarded. But this angel is inviting us into something bigger. He's told us that the baby Jesus, the, the, the Savior, is going to be born in Bethlehem. Let's go check this out. Our plans are important, but they're not as important as this moment, just, just leveraging this moment, this God moment that we're being invited into. And so they, they, they ditched their plans and followed God's plan. That's always a good thing to do, and that's what they did. But there are other people who also had some plans. The Magi, the wise men, that we read about in Matthew's account of the birth of, of Christ, uh, we, we realize that they had a plan. Their plan, we don't know what their plan was, but they were probably like everybody else, busy with what they're doing. But they saw this star and they decided, you know what, we're being invited into something bigger. Our plans need to change. God is inviting us into something else. And although the nativity scene shows them, you know, we see the nativity scene back here. It shows this, this event that happens, this birth of Christ. We know that the, actually the wise men weren't there then. By the time they traveled, the baby Jesus was probably a couple of years old. But nonetheless, that this was their plans were interrupted by God to be uh, participants in this story. But the ones to me that had the most flexible plans and needed to have the most flexible plans were Mary and Joseph. In Luke 1, which we didn't read, Luke 1, we read the account of how this all came to be. That there's... Gabriel, the angel, comes and visits Mary, and he says, greetings, fair, favored woman. God has invited you into something, that you've been chose, chosen to carry the Christ child, and, uh, and, and you're going to become pregnant, and you're going to give birth to the Christ child. And she says, well, time out. I'm, I'm a virgin. How can that be? And he said, the Holy Spirit will overtake you, and, uh, and, and this will come about. And she didn't really understand it, but she said, here's basically her response was, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever God wants is okay with me. My plans, I'll set them aside for the sake of following God. And then there was Joseph, her fiance, soon to be husband. I mean, think about him. Matthew, again, Matthew's account tells us how, what Joseph was going through. He's struggling with this whole thing. When Mary tells him, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. It's not what you think. You know, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And of course, that's never happened before, so you know, he had to wrestle with that a little bit. And he just kind of thought to himself, you know what, I love her enough to just, I don't want to disgrace her because she'd be a public disgrace. And because he was an honorable man, he decided to divorce her uh, kind of like privately, not make a big deal of it. But then he's visited by an angel that says, she's telling you the truth, and you just got to go with this. And so he ditched his plans he became very flexible, and he followed what God wanted for his life. And we're told here what we just read a second ago is it, it kind of has come to a culmination. And it says, because uh, Joseph was descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. 
He traveled there from the village of, of Nazareth in Galilee. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, I want you to picture this. These are a couple teenagers. And they're engaged, and, and they had plans, like every engaged couple, right? They've got plans, big plans for their life, I'm sure. You know, we got engaged. We're going to have this big church wedding. We invite family and friends. It's going to be amazing. Have a nice florist. Have some, you know, somebody sing a little song. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. We'll leave on a nice honeymoon to Cancun somewhere. We'll just hang out on the beach for a little bit. Come back home, do life, maybe have some kids, get a career, do all our stuff. This is their plans. And God's like, not so fast, not so fast. I'm inviting you into something a little bigger. You're going you're gonna to be, become part of history. Are you willing to do this? And they were because they were flexible. And see, God had this plan. This wasn't God's just kind of like knee-jerk reaction. This was a plan that God had laid before he laid the foundation of the, of the world. Because there was this need, and that was that mankind was sinful. All of us have sinned. And the Bible says have come short of the glory of God. And there was no way we could save ourselves. It was impossible. No matter how good we tried to be, we couldn't be good enough because our sin separated from a holy God. And God, knowing this, set this plan in motion and it came to fruition at this point of this miracle called the incarnation where God became man and came to this earth and Jesus comes and lives a perfect life because we couldn't. He goes to a cross, dies on a cross for our sins, and then he raised, he's raised from the dead three days later to defeat death and give us eternity in heaven. It's, it's an amazing story, right? That's the gospel message. But it's all about a plan that God had from the beginning of time. And that plan was coming to fruition at this moment. In John 3, 16, it says, For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's God's plan. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, his plan is for you to know him so that you can have eternal life and your sins forgiven. Now, planning is important, again, and, and let's just bring this real practical now, shall we? Because we got two weeks before Christmas. I don't know why I keep saying that because I'm making you more stressed every time I say it, but you only got two weeks till Christmas. But here's some practical things we can all do, and these are some things we, we can plan for. Let me give you them. Plan to enjoy this Christmas. Plan to make memories this Christmas. Plan your spending. Pastor Kevin talked about this last week, how many people have, they're planning to go in debt. Why don't you plan your spending? Live within that budget. Do something different this year when it comes to spending. And by the way, let me just throw this out now because I think it's a good time. Uh, some of you know we're doing a Christmas offering. We do it every year. It goes to help people in the community, Kids for Christmas and other organizations. It has just been phenomenal. Last year, we hit this record number, $120,000 you guys gave for that, for that goal, uh, beyond a goal. We, we more than doubled our goal last year, by the way. So we've got two more weeks left. Just to give you an update, we're, at, we're over $44,000 you've already given, but we can do this. We can go way over last year if everybody participates. That's, that'd be good. Put that in your planning, your spending of Christmas. is plan to help somebody else. How about this one? How about just plan to relax a little bit this Christmas? How about this? Plan to reflect on what Christmas is all about. 
See, the purpose of Christmas is not to cram your calendar full of activities. The purpose of Christmas is to rejoice that a Savior has been born and we all have the ability to be saved from our sins and to know our God. Let's do that this Christmas. Let me give you the second thing that we can do if we're going to overcome stress this Christmas, and that is we can slow down and look for God moments. Slow down and look for God moments. I didn't want to just say slow down. That's the obvious thing. But in that time when we slow down, here's what will happen. If you're paying attention, there'll be these, these God moments, these little encounters with God. Because God is always trying to get our attention, but usually we're so busy and we're so driven that we miss it. So slow down, pause, relax, chill out, whatever you want to call it, pace yourself, do whatever you got to do to just take a deep breath and say, it's going to be different this year. It's healthy. It'll keep you from stressing out. You know, Jesus was the most, was the busiest person that ever lived because he was on a mission. And his ministry basically was three years from the age of 30 to age of 33. We don't know a lot about his life before that, but we know that during those three years, he accomplished a whole lot. And it was ultimately leading to a cross, right, where he was going to die. So he had three years to get everything done. And yet you never see Jesus in a hurry. You never see Jesus stressed out. You never see Jesus too busy to not stop and help someone in need. Because he had margin in his life. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 6. Listen to this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I mean, everywhere he went, he's at this point of his, his, his ministry, he's, he's doing these miracles and he's, he's, he's healing people. He's raising people from the dead and everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. And Jesus tells his disciples, guys, this is really an unhealth, unhealthy pace we're on. We're not even stopping to eat because there's so many people that want, to, you know, want, want something from us. Let's just go off here. Let's just pull off here for a while, take a little pit stop, catch our breath, rest a little while, and, and take care of our souls for a little bit. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of us think we have more capacity than Jesus. We're going, 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 never resting. And we wear it like a badge of honor. And it's nothing that you should be proud of. It's something you should say, you know what? That's unhealthy. Here's what, here's what it says in Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. Slowing down is one thing. Many people have struggles just to slow down. But have you ever tried to be still? Like just stopping? Some people can't even do that for a minute. And I'm just telling you, this is what, when you do this, notice that last part, be still and know that I'm God. I think sometimes in our, in our, in our minds that we stay so busy because we play God in our lives. Like I got to get this done. It's everything counting on me to get this done. And I got to press on and I got to keep going because it's all on my shoulders because we think we're God. But the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. When we do that, we acknowledge, hey, I don't have to, it's the, it's the, the, the world doesn't revolve around me. And it, if I pause for a minute, it's not going to fall off its axis. It's going to be okay. And I can trust that God is still moving, even when I can't see it or feel it, like we sang about last week, that I know that God's still at work. I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that he's God. 
I'm going to let him do his job as God, and I'm going to take a break. Let me tell you something. You talk about relieving stress, it'll leave you in a minute when you realize it isn't dependent on you. God's got it. My problem, here's my problem, it's probably yours. When I feel stressed, my, my default is not to slow down. It's to speed up. You ever feel that way? Like the more stress I get, the more I want to speed up and try to get more done. And that's the opposite of what we need to do. What we need to do is just pull away for a little bit, just take a pause, be still, trust God, and then pick up when we, after that. It's, 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 it's very unhealthy the way a lot of us live. Think about some stories in Scripture. I think about, whenever I think about stress and, and, and pressing on a little too hard, I think of this story between Mary and Martha. You remember that? These two sisters, if you don't know the story, let me tell you a story. Mary and Martha were friends of Jesus. They had a brother named Lazarus. And Mary and Martha, although they were sisters, couldn't be no more uh, diff different, as siblings often are. Martha was the driven one. She was a type A personality. Get her done. She, she was like that Martha Stewart kind of person. Whenever she threw a party, she wanted it to be perfect, and they were having a party. Jesus was the guest of honor. He's coming over to visit. And so Martha is doing her Martha thing, man. She is just, she's just really just getting everything done. And Mary, her sister, she's, that's not her personality. Her, Mary is just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live for the experience. I'm going to live in this moment. I'm going to get everything out of this. I, I just, I'm all about relationships. This, I, I, this is me. Well, Martha is, is cooking and getting the tablecloth out there and all the silverware out and the fine china and all this stuff. And, and Mary's just hanging out with Jesus. She's not doing anything to help. And you can almost hear Martha. I can, I can picture this. It's like Martha's just huffing around the kitchen. <laughs> You're getting madder by the second, watching her sister doing nothing, not lifting a hand to help. And finally, in her, you know, just total exasperation, she says to Jesus, hoping she's going to get some sympathy. Jesus, don't you see what she's doing? Like, I'm over here slaving. I'm working my fingers to the bone, and she's doing nothing. Tell her to help. And Jesus does not sympathize with her. Jesus says, you know what? She's making the right choice right now. What she's doing is she's slowed down and she's having this God moment. She, she's, she's experiencing something here in this moment that you're missing. In your busyness, in your stress, in all of what you're doing, you're missing this opportunity. It's once in a lifetime opportunity you can cook a lot of dinners. You can have a lot of those kind of, you know, you can do that anytime, but this moment right here, you should be engaging in. And I think that's what we do a lot. Go, 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 go. Missing those God moments. God's trying to get our attention. We're so busy, like, I'll get to that later. We need to slow down a little bit. I'm a huge Andy Griffith fan. How many like Andy Griffith? A lot of, you, you don't have to be embarrassed. It's, it's good, it's all good. Like, I don't, you're like, you know, my favorite episode, I watched it again yesterday, but I was going to talk about it, but I wanted to watch it one more time, is the episode called Man in a Hurry. You guys remember this one? Let me tell you what it was, in case you don't. It's the best episode. You need to watch it. It resonates with me, because in this episode, you've got this guy, he's, a, he's, he's from the big city, and, he, and he's uh, like driven, like one of those driven guys, and he's going through Mayberry. It's Sunday. His car breaks down. And he's, he's trying to get somebody to help, but nobody will help him because it's Sunday. And in Mayberry, everything shuts down on Sunday. Everybody's at church. Everybody's at family 
dinners. They're just not. So he tries to get somebody to fix his car. Nobody will fix his car until Monday. He's totally frustrated. So he's invited to come over to Andy's house. And uh, he's just kind of pacing because he's like so driven. He can't slow down. Can't slow down. And they're trying to get him to slow down. He won't slow down. But in the midst of all of that waiting, because he, he just finally, he, 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 it's not going to happen. And he's out on the porch. Andy's there. Aunt B, Opie, Barney's there. They're all just kind of chilling out. But this guy can't slow down. But by the end of the episode, okay, I'm going to just I'm gonna get too carried away. By the end of the episode, he is kind of caught in the Mayberry pace. And he realizes, you know what? I've been, I've been living a, the wrong, I have a no margin in my life. I've been going, going, going. And, and these people, they don't, you know, they're not caught up in the same things, but they have a better quality of life than me. And he starts realizing that he's missing this. He does not want to leave. In fact, he makes an excuse to stay. Guys, I'm telling you, we have that same problem. We're so busy. We're so driven. We're so goal-oriented. And that sounds foreign coming to my mouth because I'm driven and goal-oriented. But we're so, that's just the way we live our lives that we miss many God moments in this quest to outdo everybody else. And it's not healthy. Matthew chapter two, what it says. This is the, this is the wise man. I'm jumping to Matthew's account of the, of the birth of, of Jesus. But now again, he's a couple years old. These guys have, were flexible in their plans and they've been traveling, trying to follow the star and it, it's right over the house. And Here's what it says. They entered the house, saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Like they've been on this quest for a couple of years. At any point, they could have said, this is getting ridiculous. When's the star ever going to stop? And eventually they just keep falling in there. It's like right over this house. They go in and they there's this moment. There's just like, this is what their whole life has led to at this point. There's this God moment they've been presented where there's the baby Jesus. And it, and it just, at that moment, their only response is they just bow and worship. Those are, you want to know about quality of life? Those God moments are the quality of life. Those moments when you encounter God and those still times when you just, God just speaks to your heart, that's the most fulfilling times of your life. It's not, it's not trying to outrun everybody in a rat race. It's just enjoying those moments. So I want to give you some practical suggestions. And I'm going to show you a video. Practical suggestion between now and, and actually January 2nd, because this whole, you can just throw the last week of the year in this with this busyness. Try these things. I know this is going to be painful, but just try a couple of these, okay, for, for all of us who are fast-paced. Driving a slow lane. I didn't say drive slow in a fast lane. I said drive in a slow lane. Like some of us don't even know there's a slow lane because we're in that left lane the whole time. And by the way, if you're one of those that drive slow in that fast lane, you need to repent of that sin. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> Driving, move over to the slow lane and go the speed limit or maybe a mile per hour under. I told you it's going to be tough. Eat your food slowly. Take a little longer to eat that food. I'm a fast eater, so that's... 
Don't wear a watch or check your phone for an entire day. Okay. <clears throat> this is tougher than that. When you go Christmas shopping, or your wife does, look for the longest line and patiently wait in the longest line to pay for your stuff. Sit down as a family and watch a Christmas movie. Preferably, it's a wonderful life because it's the best one. It's amazing when you do these things, the joy that you will find in Christmas. Let me read this last verse. These last two verses. And all, this, this, so the shepherds, they go back. They tell everybody what they've seen. It says, and all who heard all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, but Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. This, those God moments of just saying, I'm sure she thought back of when she was visited by Gabriel that, that time and all the confusion and all her plans that she had planned probably since she was a little girl going a different direction. And there is the baby Jesus. She treasures those. She ponders these things. She steps into this God moment and enjoys the moment. I often wonder how many times people in Bethlehem miss that moment. All those people crowding into Bethlehem to do the census. And there so close, but so far from the greatest event in the history of the world, the birth of Jesus. And they pass by. And I want to show you a video now, and let me just set it up by tell you what it is. It's, it's actually self-explanatory, but I want to just kind of explain a little bit. This is a world-class violinist who does a little kind of little trickery. He goes to a subway station and he plays kind of this little, like a lot of people do, music in the subway. But nobody knows who he is. This world-class violinist is there in the midst of all the people and their busy paces catching subway trains here and there. Please forgive the, the, the quality of the video. It's, it was videoed quite a while ago, 15 years ago, so the quality wasn't good. But check this out.
1,097 people. 1,097 people in those 43 minutes passed him by. Seven slowed down to listen. One of the greatest performances ever from a violinist. And yet everybody was so busy in the pace of life, they missed it. I think that happened in Bethlehem. People so busy that they missed it. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to get so caught up and all of the hoopla around Christmas that I missed the purpose of it. It's so easy to do, isn't it? Like it's so easy to fall into that trap and miss it. I pray that you don't either. I pray that you absorb all of it and have those God moments and make this Christmas different. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your plan. And I'm thankful that your plan was not flexible. It was, it was a plan that was never going to change, even if it meant the life of your son. So God, I thank you for what you've done by allowing us to be here today, knowing that we can be forgiven because of what Jesus did. Because our Savior humbled himself, came to this earth, being born in that manger and then living a perfect life and eventually dying for us. But thank God, three days later, he rose again. And Lord, I pray for anybody here today that first of all, has never had an encounter with Jesus, have never given their life to Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe you are here today and you kind of acknowledge Jesus in your mind but you're not sure where you would spend eternity if you were to die. You don't have that kind of assurance. Like that's always been a thought, maybe even a fear in the back of your mind that what would happen. Maybe today's the day you need to settle it. Maybe once and for all, you need to set aside whatever's been holding you back and just say yes to Jesus. Just like when Mary was approached by the angel, just say yes. You don't have to know everything about it. What you need to know is that you're a sinful person. We all are. And you need a Savior, and he's the only one. And if you'll commit your life to him, he'll come into your life and change you from the inside out. He'll forgive every sin you've ever committed and ever will commit, and he will give you eternity in heaven with him one day. What an offer that is that we're given by our Savior. And if you'd like to do that today, maybe offer a prayer like this from your heart. Jesus, I'm giving you my life. I believe you died on that cross. You rose again. And I, I want you to take control of my life and forgive my sins. Today, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, I pray for the rest of us. Maybe you've already made that decision, but we've, we're faced with the same thing we're faced with every Christmas season. And that is that this this kind of this thought, we need, to, we need to get busier than ever before. We need to just make sure that we're you know, just going to every party and decorating perfectly and doing this and doing that. And, and I just pray that this year it would be different, that we would just pause, that we would just relax, that we would just enjoy, that we would just make memories and that we would remember the reason for the season. 
that you loved us enough to send your son. So God, that's my prayer for our people. I pray, God, that you would do a work in our lives. I pray also for that campus who's over there in Pendleton trying to work out all the bugs before the big day in January. God, may you grant us favor in that community. We love you. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.